Well, straight back from the Amazon yeah. <laughs> with our worship team, with our worship, with our uh, our ministry team is Michael Hansen. He'll be speaking today. And those of you who would like to meet with me uh, for the coffee with Danny, uh, meet me out in the lobby and we could slip back into my office, uh, whether there's one person or six people, whatever, I'll be out there to meet with you in a second if you'd like to join me. Otherwise, here is Michael. All right. Thank you. Oh, I see you got one customer, I think. <laughs> you get extra cookies. Well, hey, uh, uh, Good morning, and uh, it's great to see you. It's great to be back. As Danny was saying, uh, uh, myself and nine other people from the church were down in Brazil for two weeks, and uh, you would have been very proud of the team. They, uh, they served really well. Uh, uh, it was incredibly hot, and, uh, but, uh, and we didn't have Wi-Fi, which was probably the hardest part uh, for me. No, but it... Uh, they did really well. Uh, I know for a lot of them it was a life-changing experience. Uh, um, as I had conversations with them, it was, it was amazing to see just how God uh, shook up their lives. We got to connect with some of the missionaries that we've sent from this church. You remember uh, Bob Lesher, who went out late last year, uh, Christopher and Denise Meyer. Um, there were two other uh, missionary families we met with. They were really encouraged. We had a great time with them. And then you know, the biggest part of the trip is we just got to pray for loads of people, young, old, uh, and it was really, it, it's, it just never gets old, praying for someone, having a language barrier, and just praying what God gives you, and finding out that what you prayed was, was exactly what was going on in their lives. That's something that never ceases to amaze me, but uh, thanks so much for your prayers. Uh, it was good to know that we were thought of uh, and prayed for. And uh, we'll be going down again next year. So if you, if this kind of stirs you up, like, man, I'd love to get a rash too, uh, you can uh, <laughs> just talk to the team about that. But no, uh, end of August, we'll be announcing we're having interest meetings for next year's trip, but we would love to, love to have you uh, go down next year. Okay, last weekend, Linda Troyer, she uh, spoke out of Genesis 21, and, and if you didn't hear the message last weekend, uh, you can go online and hear it. There's a free CD at the, at the info counter. And if you didn't hear it, uh, ex, uh, Linda is an excellent teacher and did, a, did just a great job, uh, so I strongly recommend you uh, to get that. But last weekend, what she talked about, the theme of her message was that God uh, is a promise-keeping God. So now, today, as we sh uh, shift over into Genesis 22, it seems like the promise-keeping God, it seems like he's had, something's changed, because it seems like he's about to blow the promise up. And if you're familiar with Genesis 22, you know that it's a, uh, well, really, it's a, it's a bizarre story, where God, you know, he's been having these interactions with Abraham and asking him to do all these things, and in Genesis 22, he tells him to take his son Isaac, the, you know, the promised child, to take him and uh, sacrifice him, which is pretty bizarre. And what amazes me in this story, even more than God's uh, request, or not request, but command to, to Abraham, what amazes me more is, is how quickly Abraham obeys such a bizarre request. And Genesis 22 is... It's, it's summarized in, in Hebrews 11. I just want to read it. This is like a snapshot of the chapter. Uh, verse 17 says this. It says, By faith, now by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. 
He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Now, when I look at Genesis 22, when I look at that summary of it, what goes off in my mind is, like, how do you get to that level of faith? How do you get to that level of, of obedience and, and trust of God? I mean, is there like this, you know, really small percentage of these, you know, spiritually elite super Christians that are out there? I mean, they may be here amongst us, like ex-Christians or something. That doesn't sound right, but you know what I mean, X-Men? Okay. Anyways, <laughs> they may have gills, but I mean, but, but the reality is, and because if, if, as we've been going through this series, you know that Abraham... He's not a super Christian. Abraham was just a man, just a human like you, like me. Uh, uh, so where, you know, where does this kind of faith, this kind of trust come from? Well, I would say that this kind of faith comes, this kind of obedience, this kind of trust comes as we grow in our understanding and experience of God. Listen to this quote from uh, uh, A.W. Tozer. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The most significant fact about any person is not what they say or do, but what they in their heart conceive God to be like. Does that make sense? Like It's, it's like if, if I believe, in my heart of hearts, if I believe that God is small and cheap and boring and weak, well, then my faith will will be the same. It'll be cheap. It'll be, you know, uh, small. It'll be boring. It'll be weak. But on the other side, and as we go through life and, and increasingly become more aware and just, you know, encounters with God and connections with God as our understanding and our experience of how great he is, of how loving he is, of how wise and smart he is, of how powerful he is, as our understanding of God and our experience of God grows, so grows our, our faith. And um, one of the primary ways that God helps you and I get in touch with, like what do we believe about him? What do we think about God? One of the primary ways that he gets us in touch with that is through testing. And that's going to be the theme of our, our message this morning. When you hear the word testing, think uh, like opportunities. And what I mean is like there's, there's things that we go through in, in our lives. There's things that God puts in front of us like uh, like what he does in the story with Abraham, that really are opportunities for us to get in touch with or opportunities for us to exercise our faith. They're opportunities, they're God-given opportunities to put into practice what, what we believe about God. They're God-given opportunities to, 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 uh, to discern, I mean, what lies have I, have I embraced about God? What, what have I embraced that doesn't line up with, with who he really is? Now, does that make sense? Because if that doesn't make sense, it's going to be a long morning, right? So tests, when God tests us, he's creating an opportunity for us to become more aware of how we see him. So when we go down to Brazil, one of the things that, that uh, I get to do is I get to preach. And, and uh, I, I think I got to preach like three or four times, and that's either in a village uh, uh, or I got to preach in this little church in Portel, the, the, the town that we are, we're working in. And so uh, I like to prepare. Believe it or not, I, I do prepare before I preach. And, uh, 
on the flight down, I was thinking, well, I probably should give it some thought. And, and I felt like God said to me, uh, hey, I don't want you to prepare. I just want you to pick a story out of the New Testament and then follow me. Now, for me, uh, uh, again, these weren't, I, these weren't like 40-minute or however long, you know, messages like what I'm going to do this morning, but they were, they were shorter. But still, anytime I get up in front of people, I want what I say to make sense. I want it to have a logical order so that whoever hears it has something they can grab onto and, and you know, take home with them. And, and so, to me, I realized, and especially in the context of this morning, I realized this is a test. This is a test that God was giving me. And what I mean is it wasn't, it wasn't a test where God's like trying to determine, well, let's see how smart he really is. Let's see if, you know, if he really does read his Bible. Let's see what kind of pastor this guy is, you know, how quick he is on his feet. Or that, that wasn't the test at all. The test was, what do I believe about God? Do I believe that he's good? Do I believe that he's, he's for me? And so if he would come to me and say, son, pick your favorite story in the New Testament, grab my hand and let's go. Right? Do I believe that he'll be faithful or, or that he's set me up? But I, again, that test, I believe it was to, for me to do I trust him. And the reality was I, I think I did what he told me to do. I just picked a story and got up and smiled. And, and uh, thankfully there's an interpreter, so it gives me time to, to listen and get some thoughts. But I had a blast you know, preaching down there. Maybe, maybe too much of a blast. I don't know if the Brazilians got anything out of it. But... I know I had a blast. And here's the thing. As we look at this story this morning, and again, in Abraham's case, this is a bizarre test. But, but as we look at the story, what I want us to see is that godly tests, when God brings things, when God you know, steps into our lives, intersects uh, our lives, that these are really, these tests are something to be desired. There's something to be welcomed. Because whenever God puts a test in front of us, it's an opportunity for us to not only become more aware of how we see him, but for us to grow in our understanding and, and experience of, of who he is. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into Genesis 22. So Lord, thanks for just a new day. Thanks for everyone that's here, and, and it, it is really good uh, just to be back. I love this church. Uh, uh, it's just, it's good to be home with family, and, and I pray, Lord, that this morning you would uh, just give me clarity, and I pray that something I say would just, would just go, uh, for everyone here, would go right to the heart. Lord, you love us. Right now, you're pursuing all of us. You know where we're at. You know what we need, and, and I pray this morning that you would, you'd just come real close. You'd be personal with each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, Genesis 22, you can turn there in your Bible, and we have Bibles in the front if you don't have one, and, and also in the back, uh, you can feel free to grab one. But Genesis 22, we'll start with verses 1 to 5. Here's what it says. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. 
Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Stop there. So, you know, uh, I find there's times when I read the Bible where I go, I wish they gave more information. You know, if you like reading novels, uh, uh, I love when they describe the setting. I love when they, you know, get into the emotions of the person. Because when I look at this, and, 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 and I'm really thankful that, that uh, the writer of Genesis right off the bat sets the context, right? Makes it real clear uh, God tested Abraham. That's so helpful because suddenly this bizarre uh, command to go and sacrifice your son, now it's in a context. Now as the reader, I go, oh, okay, so God, there's, there's a deeper purpose to this story than, you know, than, than what's actually going on. God's doing something, but, but you and I know that, and God knew that, but Abraham didn't know that. And I can't imagine, you know, as he's loading up the family donkey, and, and they're putting all this stuff in there, it's like, why? Why on earth would you tell me to do this? I, you know, I just, I just can't imagine what he's going through in this whole process of loading the stuff, etc., and, and just the questions of this makes no sense at all. And so the first point in your notes is, is that question, why does God test us? And there's lots of reasons, but I want to look at two this morning, and the first one is this. Why does God test us? God tests us because testing reveals our hearts. And I touched on this uh, in the introduction, but times of testing, they, you know, when we get squeezed, they help us get in tune with what we believe about God. And you, know, you remember uh, the story in the book of Exodus where God's leading his people, you know, the Israelites out of Egypt. And, and if you're familiar with the story, all through you know, the time in the desert and they're going all these, you know, all these crazy, bizarre things going on, but, but a common phrase you hear as, as they're going through the desert is, is how well, God tested them. He was constantly testing his people. Listen to this uh, from Deuteronomy 8. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you. Why? Like, why, God? In order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. So the testing, it, it squeezes us, and we find out what, what is inside. And when I say heart, obviously I'm not talking about, you know, my physical heart. When I say heart, I mean like the, the core of who I am. I mean, the, you know, the deep, the deep places in, in, inside of us. And, and, you know, a good question would be, well, like why the heart? Like why is the heart, the core, why is that such a big deal? I mean, why wouldn't God, why wouldn't he give us tests uh, like the tests we have here on earth, like, you know, think of, of school, right? Those kind of tests determine what we know, determine how smart we are. Like, I think sometimes it would be easier for some if the tests God gave us were on scripture memorization or, you know, how, how much do you understand the Hebrew and the Greek or theology and all these deep things of God, but, but those aren't the kind of tests God gives us. Why does God test the heart? Here's why. Because our intelligence and our abilities are not the deciding factor when it comes to entering into a relationship with God. 
right? To dis- the deciding factor is, do you believe? Do you believe God is who he says he is? Do you believe that he so loved the world that he gave his son, and if you believe in him, you'll live forever with him? Right? Do you believe that God is who he reveals himself to be? And it's, it's not about do you understand it, because I've been reading the Bible all my life, basically, and, and yet there's so much I don't understand. Okay, but that's not the question. It's not do you understand it. Can you? It's do you believe it. The belief is the place. And, and where we find out what we really believe, it's in here. And, you know, a way I like to think about it, is, uh, are you familiar with, you know when in airplanes they all have a thing called a, or the, you know, the, the big jets, uh, a black box? You know what I mean when I say that? And it's like a, like a flight data recorder and how many times have we seen on the news when, you know, a plane crashes and there's a press conference and the person would say something like, you know, there's lots of speculation as to why the plane went down and, and, and you know, all these, it could be this, it could have been that, it could have been the weather, it could have been, uh, but we're going to wait until we get our hands on the black box, the flight data recorder, because that is going to tell us. Because that little machine is recording all the conversations. It's recording, you know, uh, between the pilots and, and uh, traffic control. It's recording, like, basically the diagnostics of the plane, who had chicken, who had beef. It has all that crucial. But it's, but it's the black box. That, that's that's going to reveal what really happened. See, and that's like our hearts. Because here's the thing. If what I was going to be, uh, if, if the test was on uh, what I, how I, uh, let, me, let me back that up. I could fool you with my words and actions. Because I think we live in a culture where we're really good at that. You could fool me. Does that make sense? You could fool me. Because you could just say the right words or act the right way. But when we get to the heart, when testing, when God squeezes and we find out, well, what do we really believe? That's that place. That's one of the, the purposes of God's test. It's to reveal what do we really believe about him. And so number one is God, he tests us to reveal our hearts. And then another reason is he tests us because he loves us. Um, remember the story of the rich young ruler? Uh, maybe different in your Bible, but uh, where this young guy comes up to Jesus and uh, he basically says, hey, Rabbi, what, what must I do to, you know, to inherit eternal life? Like, what do I have to do to get in on all this that you've been talking about? And, and Jesus looks at him and he goes, well, basically he says, well, you know, you know the commandments. And he, he rattles off a few of the commandments. And this young guy makes this statement like, oh, yeah, I've kept all those since I was a boy. And look at what, uh, how the story carries on. This is in Mark 10. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And, and when I look at that, I go, I, I love the fact that the writer uh, of Mark put that in there, that he loved him. He looked at this young guy, and I don't know if this young guy was just super arrogant or super ignorant to make a claim of, I have kept all the commandments. And Jesus is looking at him like, well, no, you haven't. Nobody has. Nobody will, right? But to look at him and to see him in this place, but that he loved him, that's super encouraging because that tells me not only what happened right there, but it tells me that what he's going to say is motivated by his love for this young man. And listen to what he says to him. He says, one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. 
He went away sad because he had great wealth. So why does God test us? God looked at this young guy, heard, you know, had that interaction with him, and basically he looked at him, and because he loved him, he said, you know what? Uh, you're off base here. You, you can't, you think you can earn your way into my kingdom. You think, you know, it's, it's the way to get into, to get this eternal life is through performance. Well, you're wrong. It's a gift. And I'm not going to let you continue going down the wrong path. I want you on the right path, the path of truth. And God will use testing in our lives, again, to make us aware of, well, what do we believe about God? And, and as we get squeezed and we realize, oh, oh, that's right, I don't have to earn from him. I don't have to earn the free gifts that he offers us. It, the testing exposes what we really believe. Does that make sense? And that, and that, but he does it. Because, because he loves us. So why does God test us? It's to reveal our hearts, and it's to, uh, because, because he loves us. So here's Abraham. He's going, you know, packing up, heading off into the desert on this, on this course. And, and uh, again, he's thinking, why, why is this? Why would he ask me to do such an extreme and bizarre thing? Let's continue in the story. It's verse 6 of chapter 22. It says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, Jesus. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar and uh, built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now again, I'm reading that and I'm like, it was just that simple? I mean, we don't know how, how old Isaac was, but I cannot imagine my son uh, letting me tie him up and putting him on a, you know, on a pile of wood to be sacrificed. And I look at that and I just cannot imagine uh, uh, that doing that. I, you know, you ask the question of why God, but, to, but it amazes me that like, it's like, why would you ask me to lay, you know, to, to kill my son, to kill the, the, the promised son? And, and, you know, again, for us, we know the story, right? We know that God never intended for him to kill him because spoiler alert, right? He doesn't kill him in the end. But, but, but Abraham didn't know that because he was in a test. And uh, number two in your notes says, how does God test us? And, and there's a saying I, from years ago in the vineyard, I don't know who said it, but if you think it's powerful and meaningful, then I probably did. But... Uh, but it's a simple little phrase that says this, God offends, God offends our minds to reveal our hearts. And talk about offending the mind. I mean, just think of this series we've been going through and just this process for Abraham and Sarah where God kicks it all off and says, hey, I'm choosing you. You know, it's this older couple and you're gonna have a son and yeah, but you know, we're, we can't, we, haven't, we don't have any kids and God's like, no. I'm choosing you, and you're going to have a son. And remember just the whole thing with Hagar and Ishmael, just this long process 
of waiting and waiting and holding on to these promises and waiting. And finally, this promised child is here. And, and now, again, talk about offending the mind. God says, okay, he's here. Yeah, look at him. He's growing. He's older. Now I want you to kill him. And talk about offending his mind. I, can just, I can't imagine what Abraham, again, he's just a man. He's not like, oh, you know, he's not a super Christian. He's just a man given a crazy task to do. And, and you know, one of the ways that God tests us, like Abraham, is asking us to sacrifice, to lay down something that's precious to us, to to you know, let go and, and hand over something or someone that's that's precious to us. And you know, there's a song that we sing, and and I tell you, whenever we sing this song, you guys sing it with with gusto. It's that song, uh, "Lay Me Down." Remember that song? You know, we normally wear kilts when we sing it, but but I don't know if you remember. Like I think it was two or three years ago, uh, Phil Strout, the, the the national leader for the vineyard in the states, he was here. We were having a conference. And we're doing that song, and everyone's, yeah, you know, throwing chairs. It's really exciting. And, and he gets up, and I, I seem to remember that he got up literally in the midst of doing the song and basically said, do you guys realize what you're singing? Like, you know, these songs that we sing, basically, they're, they're prayers. Many of them are like prayers put to music. Like, do you realize what you're singing? Here's, the chorus says this, I lay me down, I'm not my own. I belong to you alone. Lay me down, lay me down. I mean, that's, that's sacrifice language. That's what we're singing to the Lord. The, the bridge says, it will be my joy to say your will, your way. It'll be my joy to say you're in control, whatever you want. I belong to you. Do with me, send me, point, you know, anywhere you want. That's what we're saying to God. Now, that is totally the right response to Almighty God. You know, you are God, you're the creator, I'm the created. Whatever you want to do with me, do with me. But I don't know about you, but I am a long ways away, a long ways away from that kind of surrender. That's like Abraham level surrender. You know, I'm so glad in this whole thing of how does God test us that he doesn't start us where he started with Abraham or Right? He doesn't start us with, hey, you know, take your child. And maybe some of you, okay, I won't go there. But, but he doesn't, it's not like, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't put the SAT in front of a, a second grader. Right? Here's your test. Right? He knows us. And he starts, he starts in a place where we can, that, you know, a starting point. And so in laying things down, it could be little things. It could be something as small as, uh, I want you to give up your place in line. Or let's say you're driving. I want, to, I want you to let that person in, right? I lay me down. I'm not my own. You know, okay, God, I'll let them in. Or I grew up in a big family. It could be, uh, it could be something as simple as don't take the last piece of pie, right? Don't take the last cookie. God's going, you know, why don't you leave that for someone else, right? That may sound silly, but I think there's, there's little tests that we have constantly of, of opportunities to trust, oh, God will look after me, so you, you go ahead. It could be um, not winning an argument, right? God nudges you and goes, hey, just, just stop. Just let it go. But I was going to nail him to the wall. I had it lined up. I was, you know, it's like, no, just let it go. Lay it down, right? Or maybe it could be uh, in big things, in a relationship. Uh, I know you like this guy, 
but I'm asking you to lay, it, lay this relationship down. Right? Suddenly that song isn't so cool anymore. It will be my joy. Well, no, it's not a joy. This really is tough. This is hard. Right? It'll be my joy to say your will, your way, or maybe it could be a career. Like We're in a, country, we're in, we're in a culture that is so upwardly mobile Right? To, to, to step back and let someone else go ahead of you at work and, oh, no, give it to Joe. Give it to Sally. Give them the promotion. is like, you're crazy. Nobody does that. But what if God, in a test, is saying, but do you trust me? Right? Or, or it could be, it could be uh, in our, you know, just our plans and our dreams, our money, our stuff, all this stuff of life. It's like, man, I got this nest egg. We've been saving for years, and we're going to do this. And suddenly God says, you know what, why don't you send that to Brazil? It's like, you want me to do what? Right, you want me to do what? I mean, it, it, it offends the mind. And here's the thing, the test, those things are tests. And the test is, what is my view of God? Right, all these opportunities to discover, like, does he, is he big or is he small? Right, is, like, does, he, does he really... Uh, does he really know what's best for us? Does he really, you know, see the beginning of your life to the end of your life? Right? Is his perspective, I mean, we, we love to quote the scripture that, you know, his ways are higher than our ways. Well, it's when we have those tests where we, re, we find out, do I really believe that? I mean, that's crazy. You want me to say no to that? You want me to break up with Who? You want me to, I mean, you fill in the blank. It's, that's where we find out. Do I believe that Father really does know best? And that what he would ask me to do or let go of or lay down is really for my, my best. Uh, Romans 8.32 says this. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him, graciously give us all things. See, that's what he's like. He's not cheap. I mean, he didn't withhold his son. He didn't, I mean, he's, he, I mean, he's a generous, generous, generous God. And, and, and it's in those tests that he brings away that we get to discover what he's like. And the thing is, there's nothing wrong with all the stuff. I mean, having been in Brazil for two weeks where, I mean, you go to places where they have, like nothing. And I come back, every time I come back, I walk into our house and I go, we live in a palace compared to you know, the places we saw down in Brazil. But, but there's nothing wrong with all these things. I don't have to feel guilty because I have a car and all these things. The, the danger is when we want the stuff or when the grip, our grip on the stuff is stronger than our grip on him. That's when it gets, that's when the ice gets really thin because because the few goodies in this life are, you know, the things that we just won't let go of, that, that uh, they could have great impact on the next life. Mark 8.36 says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit, let lose their soul? In testing, God's testing, it's, 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 like, they're, it's like they're opportunities for us to loosen our hold on the goodies on the distractions that we have this side of heaven. You know, and there's Abraham, 
crazy. You know, he's sitting there, he's wrapping and tying his son up, which again, I, I just can't imagine doing that. Laying him on the altar, and he's got, he's got his, you know, his hand in the, with a knife. He's going to come down, he's going to kill him. And it's like Abraham, it's like God saying to him, the test is, do you, Abraham, do you want me more than you want what I can give you? This is the promise. This is the blessing of God, a son. It's a, the descendants, the, all that God said to him, right, in the covenant. It's like, do you want me, Abraham, more than you want the stuff? Let's read the story, uh, continue. Verse 11 says, hands raised, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. He passed the test. Right Now I know, Abraham, that you fear God. And that word fear, you can throw, oh, there it is, it's up there already. That word fear is, is yer, and it means a sense of terror, a sense of awe and worship. And that word is commonly used in the context of worship. Right, And, and, and it's fear, it's a, it's a good fear, it's a right fear when you're in the presence of Almighty God. It's like, now I know, Abraham, that you fear God, now I know that your awe, your reverence, your submission, your love for me trumps everything else in your life. Now I know that, that you know, what you want above everything else is me. And that, in, uh, number three in your notes, is the goal of God's testing. And, and where God is wanting to move all of us in this life is to a place where, like Abraham, that, that you know, increasingly in our lives, that where we... Well, like the song says, that it will be our joy to say, your will, your way. That's where God is moving us, that he, that he would be uh, above, that he would trump all our desires and passions, that he would be number one, that, uh, that, his, uh, that our understanding of him would be such that, we just, that our trust would be like Abraham's, just quick, quick obedience, uh, the goal of God's testing, another one is to purify our faith. First Peter 1 verse 6 says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, in all kinds of testing. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise Glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. One of the goals of God's testing is that at the end of our race, we would stand shoulder to shoulder with Abraham and all that have gone before, and we'd be looking at God and we'd be saying, you are good. You are worthy. You, for, you know, for us, that song, will, you know, we'll sing that song with pure hearts, with pure faith that, that I lay me down, I belong to you. Whatever you say, I say yes to because I know you're good, because I trust you, because you've proven over and over and over through all, through all of these tests as I've gone through life. Uh, the goal of God's testings is, is, is friendship with God. And I'll end with this. To, 
it, you know, these times of testing is to move us from being consumers of God to, to being friends of God. And here's what I mean by this, that, you know, in a friendship, I'm there for the other person. But as a consumer, I'm there for what I get from the other person. Uh, in a friendship, there's extreme loyalty. I'm with you through thick and thin. As a consumer, there is conditional loyalty. I'm with you till I find a better deal somewhere else. And God is wanting to move us into a, a deeper, more intimate friendship with him. And, you know, when I look at that, when I look at all through Scripture how, you know, Almighty God could, I mean, he could just command, do as I say because, because I said so, because I'm God. He, it's amazing to me that over and over, what he wants from us, what he desires more than anything is friendship. Is that we would believe that I love you just the way you are. And that what I'm inviting into you is it's friendship with me. That's, that's my goal. I want you to trust me. I want you to love me. I want you to know me. I want you to, to, to experience all of, uh, of my goodness. Listen, uh, Philippians 3 verse 7 says, I once thought these things were valuable. This is Paul looking back on his life. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Why don't we stand up? You know, I was thinking this morning, uh, does that mean that everything we go through is a test? And I thought, you know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But here's what I do know is that everything we go through definitely is an opportunity. Everything we go through is an opportunity to, like I said earlier, is to exercise our faith. It's an opportunity to, to get more in touch with, you know, what do I believe about you? Do I, you know, that you're good? That you're cheap? That you are all-powerful? That you're limited? I mean, it's, it's every, all that we're going through, all that you're going through right now, it's an opportunity to get more in touch with, well, what do I believe uh, about the Lord? Let's, let's just quiet ourselves. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would uh, just come and uh, just come close right now. Lord, I thank you that of all the things you could uh, ask of us, that, that you, you just say, I, I, you, you ask us, you invite us into a friendship. And I pray this morning that, that we would hear that loud and clear. Lord, that you would uh, just wash away the guilt, the sense of... of uh, not living up to some standard. Lord, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for forgiveness. That, uh, any of our failures, our sins, we, can, we confess them, we give them to you, and you forgive us. Lord, I pray that nothing would come between us and you right now. Lord, just come. Just, I, I bless your pursuit of each one of us today. Just come, Lord.
You know what? Here's how we'll end off. Pam's going to lead us in a song, and you know, I just had a sense of uh, that that God wants to reveal Himself afresh to many this morning. And then the picture I had was like He was kind of looking at us, like, like you think you know me? You think you've got me all figured out in a nice little, you know, box? And and it's a loving thing. It's not a. There's nothing condemning about it. He says, no. I, just let me show you. Let me give you, like hit refresh on the screen of your mind. Let me show you, let me reveal more of myself to you today. And if you find today that, you know, you just feel flat or bored uh, or just there's a hunger to know more of God, I'd encourage you uh, just to get prayer as we end off the service. God wants to reveal more of himself to you. Um, I also had a sense that that as I was speaking this morning, that some of you became, it's like God nudged you. And, and remember the movie uh, Groundhog Day? Remember that, Bill Murray? He kept waking up and having the same day over and over and over and over. And I just had a sense that for some of you, it's like as, you've been go, as you're going about your life, going about your day, your weeks, that it seems like the same, there's a consistent theme or consistent issue that keeps coming up. And I feel like the Lord's trying to get your attention. He's saying, that's me. That's a test that I've put in front of you. And for some, I feel like you're, you're either avoiding it or trying to run away from it. But I, I just feel like he's inviting you this morning. Come to me. I want to, you know, I want to come. I want to, let's talk about this issue. Um, and then one final thing was just if anyone's sick today, uh, any pain in your body, we'd love to pray for you. So as the, as the band plays, just come on forward for prayer. You know the drill. Uh, guys, pray for guys, gals for gals, and uh, let's just bless and, and welcome what God's doing. So as they play, come on up, and then we'll, we'll end off the service. Purify my heart, let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold, pure gold, refiner's fire. My heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you. Choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. Purify. Purify my heart, cleanse me from within. me from within, deep within, refiner's fire, my heart's one 
Thank you for just your presence and thank you that you love us. Thank you that you know what we need. You know know the tests that we need, Lord. I pray that you would, uh, even this week, you would steer us away from anything that would come between us and you. Pray that you would reveal anything that we're grabbing onto that that's really a distraction. It's getting in the way. It's not what you have for us. Lord, you love us and you really do know best. And you see the beginning to the end. I just pray, Lord, that this week I just tune us more into you. And I pray that we'd be a church that uh, Increasing that, just convinced that you are amazing, that you are wonderful, that that song, you know, that, that we love to sing, that increasingly that would be the cry of our hearts, not just when we're singing it here, but when we're going about our weeks, at home, at school, at work, or that it would be our joy to say, your will, your way. Lord, make us a people like that. We just thank you for today. Uh, again, thank you for your presence and just your continued pursuit of us. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.